Welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy, and we're going to be talking about Invincible Season 1, and I'm your host Carl Pierce. and joining me, as always, is the obvious clone <laughs> to my obvious original copy, it's Scott McLeod. I mean, the good thing about this show is there are multiple things you could have done for that intro, and um, uh, <laughs> I'm impressed you chose that one. So yeah, it's just one of the uh, things that makes me laugh the most, to be honest. You <laughs> uh, could we could have went with an Omni Man Invincible thing, but you being Omni Man would be another reference to you being hundreds of years old, and Carl doesn't like talking about his age. I think you might have done that in the last part, to be honest. Anyway, you did do an Invincible one. I think it might have been might have been that. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. A couple of weeks ago, I mean, you mentioned that you were thinking about watching it, and I said, "Oh, you should," because the second season had just started. And then look at this quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah, well, it's only about eight episodes. Um, mm-hmm. When I start watching stuff, I'll fly through them quite quick. So, I mean, I can watch a twenty-two episode series with within a week or so. So eight episodes took me no time at all. Yeah, I'm quite bad when I start shows that have quite a few seasons already out there and ready to available to watch because I'll go through them far too quickly to the point where like okay, I don't I really don't like this show anymore. That's because you didn't space out your viewings. <laughs> I much prefer to binge everything than to have to wait a whole seven days for the next episode. Which I'm gonna. Well, it's going to be longer now, because aren't they splitting up season two, four episodes? Mm-hmm. Well, they're now and another four sometime in the new year, apparently. Yeah. Uh, look at look at you talking about waiting for things. I mean, I had to wait almost two years for, for season two of Invincible. At least if it wasn't that, it was close enough, or it just felt like it. Because season one aired, then they announced, oh, by the way, we're doing a season two and a season three. Oh, that's good, but I think... I don't know if you can even blame COVID for this because clearly you can get people to record their voice things remotely or in different locations. But yeah, two years we're waiting for a bloody this, and then they say, yeah, we're going to split this up, and you can't get mad at Prime or can threaten to cancel because at the in between time is Christmas, and you'll need Amazon Prime for Christmas, won't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean to be fair, animation, especially something that is. Um, you know, almost an hour long an episode and as complex as um, this one is, it can take quite a long time to to do. I mean, I don't know, watching something years and years ago, I mean, you, you know, you need a insane amount of um, animation just to make like a second of of movement, so it, it does take a very very long time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I find the take a good few months to animate the vast amounts of blood that's in this show. Mm. But before we get to Invincible, we're chomping at the 
bit to talk about Sony's latest trailer. Could be the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) Madam Web. I mean, we're all clamouring, we're all asking for a Madam Web film, (laughs) weren't we? Not really, no. I mean, I vaguely remember the character of Madam Web as a old woman in a weird chair from the 90s animated series. Don't know if this is really the interpretation I wanted to see, at least for its own film. I mean, fucking Dakota Johnson can't catch a break, can she? I mean, she got tied down li- figuratively and literally to that Fifty Shades <laughs> franchise. They even need to do that. But even you can, you can watch her in interviews, even by the second one when she's promoting it, clearly being almost saying without saying, like, yeah, this is a load of shit, this. Uh, and then she's signed on to do this. So either she's unlucky or she just needs someone else to make her choices for her when it comes to movies. I mean, I ripped into the Craven trailer when that came out not too long ago. But as I said to you before I started recording, the Craven trailer looks like a trailer for a fucking Oppenheimer compared to this. Yeah, it's, it's Citizen Kane compared to this shite. I watched about half the trailer, which, you know, Precision Trend is only a couple of minutes long, and I'd felt like I'd been watching it for about 15 minutes. I had no clue what was going on. I, was, I just thought, this is shit. I'm not, I'm never going to watch it. But it's got, yeah. I don't know what it's got to do with the Marvel Marvelfords at all, really, is that, if that's what they're calling it. Um, some bloke in a Black outfit, I don't know what that's all about. God, it's just yeah. the guy who's been who's designed. I don't even know if he's if that's any, any, any what comic book accurate to his design because I think it's just a case of you'll spot him in the trailers. It looks enough like Spider Man to trick you into actually going to see this pile of cack. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was pissed off. I almost threw my phone across the room when I heard this song that they use for this, because they show you the wee preview thing, and the trailer starts now, and then they start the trailer, uh, when I found it on Twitter, and I can't remember the name of the song, but I remember that chorus bit that they used for it, was used as the 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 song underneath a trailer for a show on Prime that I never watched, but every time I wanted to watch something I wanted to watch on Prime, that song and that advert kept popping up and made me hate it more. <laughs> so when that song... It's annoying when that happens, isn't it? <laughs> so when that song popped up, like a Pavlovian response of anger... Even before I'd even seen anything, just, just hearing that, so like, no, no, not anything but that. And then realizing it was attached to this crap where you've got three younger people who I think are meant to be play variations or become variations of bloody Spider Woman or something like that. And and what the hell, like, this guy's trying to kill them because so they don't become Spider Woman or whatever, from what I can see. Because you always see brief shots of them in their suits and they look quite cool, but I don't think it's going to be enough for this for this film, and knowing this film they only had those suits for the last 20 minutes or so, and <laughs> oh, this one clip gets, keeps getting memed online, I don't know if you've seen it, but when they're explaining who this villain is in the trailer, Dakota uh, Johnson's Madam Web says in the most quick, quickly, she rushes it out because she knows it's fucking stupid, and is not delivered with any sincerity, and is clearly dubbed over and recorded in post, when she explains, this man was out in the jungle with my mother studying spiders right before she died. Like, ah, so he killed your mum then. <laughs> Basically, there's, here's, here's some exposition for this character in the trailer that we're probably going to rush through the, the exposition in the film itself. And let, so I'm not going to put any effort into delivering this anyway like a fucking human would do. 
There might be something that was just dubbed in for the trailer to yeah. to give the film a bit of a break. They sometimes do do uh, do overdub stuff for the um, just for the, the marketing in the trailer. But yeah, it's still yeah. it's up there with somehow Palpatine came back, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, yeah. it's like Sony wants to do these characters, but doesn't want to keep anything about them. With the exception of maybe Venom, I don't like anything of them makes some good. Like, ah, oh, we want to make this thing because people will come and fans will go and see it. But we also don't care about those comic fans. I want other people to see them. So we'll take everything away from them and do what we think is cool. And somehow that ends up being worse. As I've, I think I explained the exact point with Craven, and it stands abundantly clearer here. I mean, the, the thing is, they, they after Spider-Man 2, they couldn't get Spider-Man right, so they struck a deal with Disney so they could um, use their expertise and use some Marvel characters to help boost their Spider-Man films, which yeah, did work, because you know, the last three have been pretty good. Um, and uh, But they still own the rights to all these villains, um, but they haven't really got a superhero they can use with them because Spider-Man's sort of tied up in this weird thing with Disney. So, um, yeah, they're trying to do these standalone villain films, which nobody's asking for. No, you know, these are villains. We don't want to be sympathetic to them. We just want them to attack the superheroes and, and get defeated. And they're just not working. Mob- Mobius was a load of shite. Um, as we say, the Craven one doesn't look much better, but it perhaps is on course to being the best of the three so far. And this Madam Web thing is an absolute mess. Really does. If you can't, if you can't make the trailer look good, you really are in trouble. Yeah, that's the big issue with with Mobius and Craven so far. Is that the trailers don't even look that appealing, and. Even Eternals had a somewhat interesting-looking trailer. That's the only thing I can give that movie. Which <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen. Apparently, the somehow we will see appearances from any of the main Eternals group that died. So at least a little bit more of Selma Hayek for the sequel, Carl. That's your ticket purchase, isn't it? It really is. I'm not even sure Selma Hayek could save this Madam Web film for me. To be to be honest, that's how so poor. It locks. That's that's Carl's barometer for any film. Could Selma Hayek save this if she was in it, or if she was if she's in it, is it still bad? The Hayek, the helmet, <laughs> the Selma Hayek test. That's what Carl does for his movies. But the thing with this trailer, and again, like there's two versions, like Spider Woman, her meant to become Spider Woman at some point. This one, you see shots of them in their suits, or like visions of what they might look like in their suits. I've got an idea, and if anyone from Sony is listening, I know they're big fans of uh, the Rank Bank, so I'm sure they're tuning in. Here's a little idea. Let me let me talk directly to you. So you want to do a Spider-Man film, but you can't technically use Spider-Man. You're going to use Spider-Woman in this, and you can use Spider-Woman clearly, or variations of Spider-Woman, in your Spider-Verse films. Here's a little idea. Why don't you just make a bunch of Spider-Woman movies and take these villains and put them as the antagonists in those movies? Because I don't think Marvel would care, because they don't seem to have any desire to mm. use Spider-Woman at this point. I mean, the only one who should be able to work is Venom, because over the years he's become a character of his own right, who can lead his own siege, become more of an anti-hero, the whole lethal protector thing and all that, that he, that he was called for a while. So that can be done in his own thing. But nobody wants to see, like you said, Craven or Mor- Morbius 
almost said Mobius there. Uh, nobody wants to see Morbius or Buddy Craven as the protagonist of their own movies. So just just do Spider-Woman, do her own little universe, team her up with Venom or have her fight a bunch of new villains. You know, make something completely different that's good rather than just like, because at this point it's getting sad, you know. You're like the Superman, you're making these Sony movies, the Superman knockoff to the big name brand Marvel <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, just stop, like, please. Please, Sony, we're begging you, just stop. I mean, like, you, I was watching this video on TikTok about knockoff brands, and it was a bar of, it looks exactly like KitKat, but it's called CatCot. <laughs> and that's what Sony's become, and these films are the CatCot to the MCU's KitKat. That's what it's, it says. It's if you ordered your Marvel films from Wish, isn't it, basically? I was also thinking this time, looking at a couple of reports around uh, around the next Spider-Man film. Apparently, they want to go move Spider-Man back to being like a street-level you know, superhero like he kind of was in the comics for quite a while. So there's a chance that we could see there's like a lot of an arc, street-level arc, that starts in Echo, continues in Daredevil, and might finish in Spider-Man which means there's a chance we get Matt Murdock back for more than a cameo in Spider-Man 4, and we get a bit of Vincent D'Onofrio, who, as I said last week, or a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember what it was, they're just getting as much out of those two as they can since they managed to bring them over from the Netflix universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that would be pretty cool, because I think Kingpin did initially start off as a Spider-Man mm. villain and then transitioned to... Uh, a daredevil video uh, villain i think in comics and cartoons they've teamed up to take him on before now so that that yeah. could work and be quite interesting uh i wonder what the situation on the live action miles morales is i wonder whether whether rights for that lie because that's not if you know if they've got rights to that that's an avenue sony could um could go down yeah i remember there was even rumors when they say we're going to just reboot the whole franchise when they just basically they couldn't come to terms with what Sam Raimi wanted to do for his fourth Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film. And they said, fuck it, we're just going to reboot the whole thing. There was talk that back way back then they wanted to do Miles Morales. You know, Donald Glover was publicly campaigning, like, let me be Miles Morales. But obviously as time going on, he's gotten a bit older for the the character. So I think you know, this, they could have done that. I mean, I think, weirdly enough, the best attempt without even trying for a Spider-Man universe that Sony's managed is through Miles Morales and the Spider-Verse animated films. Yeah, where you know, I think they probably didn't. They, they're putting all this effort into Mobius and Venom and Madam Web. It's okay, they start a big franchise, but they didn't even have that big a budget for the first bloody Spider first film, and then that unexpectedly took off. It got nominated for Oscars for best animated film and everything. So, the one that they probably didn't expect to start a franchise is the most successful franchise Sony currently have. Yeah, that's what I think. That's where the money is for them at the moment. Not these. So hopefully, you know, enough bar, enough will bomb and, you know, they'll uh, decide to pursue other avenues. We can only hope. But yeah, I think the best live action chance we have of Miles Morales is probably the MCU because I think the natural thing, because Marvel, as we tell them, the matter of the fatigue that people feel so far aren't going to stop. So I think, you know, Tom Holland, as young as he is now, he's not going to stay and like decent shape forever. So I think eventually they're going to want to transition, keep it fresh and transition from Tom Holland as Peter Parker to somebody being Miles Morales. I think that's the best chance we've got for that. 
Yeah, could be, could be. I mean, he still looks quite baby-faced, um, Tom Holland, so he's probably got a few more years left in him yet. Yeah, like I said, like when Spider-Man No Way Home came out, he was still a year younger than uh, Tobey Maguire and his first Spider-Man film, so time is still on his side, but then mm. think about the gaps. It seems like a big, they're taking bigger gaps now between Spider-Man films, because obviously I don't think the fourth one's even going to come out until at least maybe after the next couple of Avengers, because they've not really announced anything regarding another Spider-Man. Yeah, you're probably looking at 25, 26 now, aren't you? Especially with all the strike hold-ups and, and everything. Oh, speaking of which, I know like there was always talk about the Fantastic Four and saying, you know, oh, the, uh, they're waiting until after the strike to announce something, and now all sorts of rumours, fucking everybody's being rumoured for all sorts, like buddy Pedro Pascal is apparently the front-runner to, to be Reed Richards, which... Basically, it means we're never getting him back on set for, for Mandalorian, are he? He's just, he's Mandalorian voice alone, and we have to accept that. Yeah, I, I don't know what I think about Pedro Pascal's uh, Reed Richards in all honesty, but it could work. Good, uh, good. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Bring back <laughs> Chris Evans as a human torch, I say. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, speaking of people we've seen in the MCU before, I mean, I know we've seen Mads Mikkelsen as a as a villain in uh, as a villain in Doctor Strange, but I think there was another report that, that he was a among the list to play Doctor Doom. Which what's well, if you mean? don't see his face, which you're not supposed yeah. to, then uh, yeah, I, I could actually see him pulling it off. Actually, he's a good actor. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, but then I saw on Twitter today John Hamm wanted says he wants to be Doctor Doom, which I don't know if I can see. Mm, no, I'm not. I'm not convinced on that one. But you never know. You never know. Before we go into this, I want to say I know they, I, I said that when they announced season two, they also said season three they were going to do for the uh, Invincible because obviously the first season did very well for Prime and everything. You know, it's, it's, the comics that's based on are also produced by Robert Kirkman, who did Walking Dead. So obviously got a different caliber in a bit. You'll, 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 as we'll talk about, there's a character who popped up voiced by Seth Rogen who I don't know where the where he still stands on it, but he has expressed interest in helping develop a live action version of Invincible. That could be interesting. I mean, it. I mean, it certainly has to be R rated. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're really leaning into the R rated or rated TVMA because we've got that with Echo, Marvel Zombies, Deadpool three, but he mm. bleeds supposedly going to be rated R. So. Well, you know, Deadpool um, proved that it can be done and they can make lots of money. So, um, you know, if you get it right, it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a a factor. You know, know, it shouldn't be a factor in the box office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you can actually transition any of these people who are on anybody from the show into their roles. I mean, I'm sure as old as he is, take a decent enough wig on him. You know, he did it. He might stay have a decent enough hair for Spider-Man back in the day. You know, J. Jones, everybody almost called him J. Jones Jameson because that's how I see him still. But J.K. Simmons can still be on the man at his age. Nah, nah, I'm not. Too, I'm not convinced about that. But I could, I could be proven wrong. But the guy who, I was the guy who voices Invincible. Could he? Could he uh, pull off a teenager? Or is he too old? <laughs> 
I don't know the his age, but Stephen Yin, I think how you say his last name, he played Glenn and uh, The Walking Dead. So oh, I don't know. Getting if... on a bit too much to to pull off a teenager. That Walking Dead's been been going a long, long time, hasn't it? So yeah, I think they finally they finally ended uh, Walking Dead a good while ago, which I, I I jumped off that train long ago. Uh, Stephen Yun is 39 years old. Uh, no, still, no chance then. I mean, he's, he's very baby-faced look, baby looking, but he's not enough to carry the... He's very much approaching that, that Steve Buscemi gift from 30 Rock. Hello, fellow kids. I mean, you could definitely bring back, bring in Sandra O oh to play Debbie Grayson. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. I think Walter Goggins, you know, you know put a decent enough wig on him because he's... Uh, but a decent of wig on him. He'll be he'll be be a good enough uh, live action Cecil. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And well, you you uh, you you probably have to do um, CGI robot and whatever mm-hmm. anyway. So Zachary Quinto could still do robot, I'd imagine. Yeah, Dev. I mean, that's a big takeaway from the show when you you see you hear voices, you recognise voices, or you hear people, you like. Who is that? Uh, yeah, as soon up. as he spoke, I was having to. I'm not. I know that voice. I'm gonna have to use this. I'm gonna have to. Have to. Well, you don't have to do much on Prime. Just press a button, and it tells you, which yeah. is like a, a handy little gimmick, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, annoyingly, it doesn't tell you everybody. It tells you a certain amount of people, or, like, or for me, on some occasions, it tells you somebody who's not even in the scene yet. He was in the last bloody scene, but. Uh, uh, I mean, enough notable names and also notable like voice actors and like Kevin Michael Richardson, who uh, voices the Mauler twins, who you referenced at the start. He's done a, so much in the world of animation and everything. I think his most famous non superhero roles, he voices Principal Lewis from the American Dad. All right. Uh, he's got that enough that 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 deeper voice. You know it's him the minute he opens his mouth. If you remember, if you know his name, you know yeah. his voice the minute he speaks. So where do where do we even begin with this one? Well, it's tough because we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about the whole the whole series. So we're probably not gonna be just to warn the listeners. We're probably not gonna be chronological with everything we go through here. We're just gonna assume if you listen to this, you've watched series one already. So we'll just talk about what sort of drew drew us in, what we liked best, and sort of discuss the the plot in perhaps a haphazard way but yeah it, it is good uh it, it starts with you know a decent amount of action as well okay the first couple of minutes of these two security guards talking but straight into it yeah you, you get you the more the twins attacking the white house and then the superhero group um which you know i don't know a lot a lot of these heroes red <laughs> rush and, uh, and whatnot they reminded me of superheroes from uh, other properties, but I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. I mean, Darkwing reminded me of someone as well, but you know, just you know, yeah. can't quite, can't quite put my finger on it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, Carl. I thought they looked like the Seven as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like every major non-DC or Marvel superhero property, like we need to have a parody version of. These established characters, yeah. <laughs> you got a Darkwing who's basically Batman, but with like the Silver Surfer's board for some reason. Uh, and then you got a couple of different ones, like yeah, Red Rush. Like, what if the what if the Flash was from Russia? 
And then, suppose you got to make them just different enough so you're not infringing copyright. Yeah, and then you got bloody uh, yeah, immortal. Hmm, I wonder what he can do. <laughs> yeah, so it basically starts off like there's a weirdly extended first three minutes of just the two security guards mm. talking. Uh, which kind of loves you like, what the fuck? So, and then also it's your typical here's two supervillains, here's the superheroes, uh, and then you get these the Guardians of the Globe are their their name, and then you have Omni Man voiced by Jiggy Sevens when they mean basically he's like Superman, but he doesn't want to get he prefers to work by himself. And I like how it transitions from the big extended you know, typical cartoon action scene to his son watching it, basically like uh, Dad's saving the White House again and establishing this is a, basically a very normal thing in this world is like this clearly tons mm. of superheroes and supervillains yeah his uh, his movie comes up they're like he's saving the white house like two times a year but the president doesn't <laughs> even live there anymore <laughs> he's not like who's he fighting oh the mauler twins though they're very <laughs> low down on the uh the totem pole of supervillains because as you can see they're clearly intelligent but they don't always uh they're not always able to follow through on their plans. Yeah, and they squabble a lot over who's the original and who's a clone. And you are, if you're like me, you are sort of wondering why that is. And and that is happily, in the, I think it's the last episode, they, they kind of <laughs> give us a reason for that, which um, he, he sort of says after doing a, after cloning, um, and while making a sort of clone for Ro- for Robot, a, a live body for him, and we have to make the transition seamless so one of us knows he's the clone, and that never ends well. Hmm. Yeah. So if somebody knows for sure they're clone, that maybe makes them feel inferior or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. Because they say that's not basically a case of just, you know, pressing your mind from one to the other, making an exact copy of your mind. So that can you know, probably be why one of them thinks they're original when they're maybe not, because... Their minds are exactly identical. It'd probably fuck yourself up as well. I mean, you'd yeah. probably start doubting if you were the original, if it was that seamless. Like, like he says, you might, you might have to be keep telling yourself and arguing this to convince yourself that you are the original. <laughs> yeah. So only that we keep coming back to them uh, throughout the series and they're kind of basically used as pawns, like you said, by robot. His little thing where we realize he's not even a robot at all, like fully, like he's mm. a robot that's controlled by somebody else uh, whose body's been like, gone through some sort of disease and he's been controlled remotely. But everyone thinks he's just a legit robot, <laughs> but he just wants to transfer his mind uh, into a new, younger body so he doesn't have to control this this machine and also so he can date a woman who, because of her powers, looks like a child. So he goes into a child's body. You have to remind yourself they're both adults in children's bodies, so it doesn't look <laughs> creepy. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's a strange one, and he also um, uses the DNA of uh, an already living superhero, um, Rexplode. What a name that is! <laughs> he, <laughs> sort of, he kind of freaks out, doesn't he? Why? Why do you look like me? <laughs> like. Like why me? Like why a young version? Of me? This this is fucked up. <laughs> so he's justifiably freaking out here. He goes, he, 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 it cuts the bit where it cuts away, and then cuts back, and he's explaining everything. He goes questions, and he's like, yeah, a lot of them, but a couple of things for me about explosion. Like there are a few things I forgot about this show, and one of them is the fact that explosion 
as annoying as fuck. I thought you was just a little bit annoying. Like, you got to the point, like, no, I, re- I forgot how much I fucking hated you when I watched this the first time. Uh, you got, He's you, such a gay. He's voiced by Jason Manzoukas, I think is how you pronounce him. He's been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and all sorts of things. Basically, he's become a case of, do you need? are you doing a comedy film or series? Yes. Do you need a crazy guy? Yes. Call Jason. He'll be your guy. Because <laughs> that's basically all it seems to be. And like, yeah, some of the names in this show, like Heaven Explosion, there's a woman called Kate who called uh, who can change herself. She calls herself Duplicate. That's a great name. I mean, some of these are really full out. I mean, like, after me, that's a great name as well. They just make you wonder what the hell someone has grounded and as nice as Adam Eve sees in Rex Blode to be to be dating him. It just that that is a that is a weird one. Yeah, there's a bit where we'll explain why later, but like her Rex a couple of us have to become the new guardians, everything after being a group called Teen Team. And I don't know if you never see them, but they keep implying that there's a group, a superhero group out there called Fight Force who nobody likes and nobody takes <laughs> seriously. <laughs> like, there's a bit where they're doing their auditions for the new guys, and you can, they look off screen and go, Fight Force are here. Why did those guys even turn up? <laughs> <laughs> or like, when a team does badly, like, well, at least they're not Fight Force. Yeah, they also, a lot of the time, mention um, this um, Lizard League thing, yeah. which, uh, which you never see until, um, I think, the Atom Eve special, which we'll, we'll mm-hmm. leave alone for now. So that, so that was a nice one to finally work, see see who they were. But, uh, yeah, go, going back to the sort of start of things, we, we sort of find out that yeah. Omni-Man is from a, a different planet, isn't it? A Viltramite, am I saying mm-hmm. that right? Been panicking yep. about that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I really have me and my mispronunciations. Um, the story it sounds, with... it sounds like a tablet you would take, like, <laughs> like one of those things they advertise on American TV where the list of side effects is longer than the potential things that you're taking it for in the first place. That's what it, that threw me up when I went on holidays to Florida and watched a bit of TV <laughs> and uh, you know, mm-hmm. late at night or in between going to theme parks. Yeah, you'd see these weird adverts at these, um, these, um pills and tablets and yeah they'd uh, try such and such and then at the end made it to heart disease such and such or in some cases even death okay right you've, you've really put me off this now yeah uh, like it's like the terms and conditions but they have to assume they're a bit the only thing is with some of these medications they're really testing the person reading it Still have to read the list like death. Like, what was that last one? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing to say here, yeah. Move <laughs> along now. But yeah, he's from Filter, mate. And, uh, you know, the story we're told at the beginning is that um, their planet chooses champions that go off to more vulnerable planets that they either don't have superheroes or not overly strong ones uh, to, to help protect them. But we find out uh, towards the end that that's all a lie, damn it. Yeah. We explain that the idea of coming to Earth to kind of help, help it. It seems like, again, very Superman-esque, like from Crypto, they mm. realise it's a lot darker than it really is. And the funny thing is you really... They don't hold around to tell you the truth about on and on. They wait to the very end of the episode, like first episode, and like they do it after teasing you that they making you think the episode is over. 
And then that, that happened then, which I, I think it happened with both of us. I'm sure it happened to other people where that reveal at the end of the first episode is what she into the series as a whole because you kind of left sound like, what the fuck was that? But like, so after that, you see On Demand in a whole new, like a much more sinister light. But when I was watching this back, there was one or two moments where you can kind of see what he's truly like, knowing what I know now, like before the reveal even happens, where you can see just. No, when he, he keeps up this persona, but every so often you see him when no one's looking, you see it kind of drop and you see how he truly feels. I, I think it's a bit more conflicted than, mm-hmm. than you might realise. Mm-hmm. Um, hence why he leaves at the, the end of the the last episode. But um, yeah, it, it's because it's the first episode, it's almost, it's, it's quite pedestrian, really. And then that is genius. That last few minutes just hooks you in. And from there, then on forth, it's, it's a more interesting program as you, as you sort of learn. Because we know what's, you know, we know what only man's done, but we don't really know what, what he's why he's done it so you're mm-hmm. watching to find out what's happened next how it's going to be revealed how all the characters are going to react and be affected by it and there's also um you know watching invincible grow and get used to his his powers and that because at the start he hasn't his powers hasn't come in yet and, mm-hmm. you know his dad says well you know most up to much even the latest bloomers you know get their powers by their 18th birthday so you know, there is that. There is a bit of a worry that you know he might, because he's half human, he might not get his powers. But as as we all know, he he does. He realizes yeah. it when he's throwing out the trash and he throws a trash bag a bit too hard, and it goes flying into space. And, and what I love is like I don't even remember this little thing. I don't even remember it, but that same security guard from the start of the first episode, he was talking about taking his son to London, and so the starts. The start of the second episode is in London, and then yes. they get showered in this garbage, and you realise it's the bag that Mark threw in the first episode. He's <laughs> throwing it so far, he's throwing it fucking across the ocean to another country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> love how proud he is of himself, and like, he's really keen to just throw himself into it. But his dad is like Jay, even though we we realise he's preparing him for something different from what we think he is, mm. he's really trying to teach him like, listen, like you need to be serious about this, like, we can do certain things that no one else can do, so you need to learn how to properly do this, so but sometimes Mark doesn't listen, I think I like, appreciate it more watching, watching this back a second time uh, for this, isn't that Mark does, like, make a lot of mistakes, and for the most part, Mark does get his arse handed to him more often than not, when it goes against more experienced people, so it really is, you know, something you don't see a lot of in origin stories, where basically he doesn't really, you know, get the hang of his powers immediately, because he still does struggle. Like, as strong as he is, he's not perfect, you know? Yeah, and as you would do when you first get powers and try being a hero, not, you know, it's a bit more of a realistic take for me where you, you see these people becoming heroes and saving the world almost flawlessly straight away. But, yeah, you, are, you know, it's going to take a while to get used to all, all of a sudden being super strong and be able to fly and taking on these these enemies that have probably been bad guys for a lot longer than you've been that uh, a superhero so you know it's, it's quite likely some of them are going to hand your ass to yeah mm-hmm. like like the button this obviously one is the ep- one in episode six where 
he's helping this guy called Titan, voiced mm-hmm. by Marsha Ali, who's going to be playing Blade you know, against this like criminal boss called Machine Head, who we soon realize he's actually hired a bunch of stronger supervillains to take them out. And there's this guy called, I don't know what he's called, but like he he's like this lion human like hybrid, and he just batters. Battle based. Yeah, battle. He just batters. He has a big hammer. He almost caves Mark's chest in. And like Omni-Man calls the new Guardians, but he doesn't help him. It's almost like he's trying to test Mark or he's kind of just like maybe a little bit disappointed in him for, because he tries to tell him not to help Titans at all. This is beneath you. And he, do, he doesn't listen. And I do like, it does lead to a good thing between him and Cecil where he's like, you know, Mark's also human as well. So human teenagers don't listen. He says it's almost refreshing to see he's, he's got those little human traits in him. Uh, yeah, Battle Beast is also, uh, that was also uh, the minute he spoke, I was like, oh, I know that voice. And <laughs> it's uh, Michael Dorn who plays Worf in Star Trek. So oh, that was another you. that was another uh, geek moment for me. I was like, hey, yes, I know that voice. <laughs> well, another geek moment is, again, a voice where I've heard some of his voice work and, and when, he go, when he takes Mark to meet Art in the first episode of Design his costume, the guy who the tailor for all superheroes, I'm like, that's fucking Mark Hamill. That is, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you instantly can tell. I do like when he kind of examines Nolan's suit after the Guardians incident to basically help confirm to Debbie that he did do it. Like he then, no one knows that he's he's talked to Debbie. And he visits him. There's almost a sinister moment. You thinking, you wonder is he here to kill him? And like you can tell he's like, scared. like no one doesn't end up doing anything to him. But there's that underlying because you now you know how much of a threat on the man is. Mm-hmm. Even against his own king, but against a, a human, you were like, he could really hurt this guy. And you, was, that's that sinister undertone, like, what is he going to do? Yeah, yeah, I was a bit worried at one point. And, uh, yeah, when he takes into this costume design again, onto that, he's like, oh, can you design me a really good costume as well? I don't know, we, we need a name. Some are, you come back with me, some are iconic. And we'll, we'll, we'll sort out your, uh, we'll sort out your costume. And, yeah, some happens and he, he uh, invincible twigs. He goes, that's it, that's it. I like the yeah. fact it becomes a bit of a running joke in the series how, how daft the name, that, that, that kind of sign said out loud. <laughs> Yeah, like I think, it was, I think it went, somebody even said, like, a little optimistic, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah, that's I think that's what Adam Eve says when he goes, he, he t- when he um talks to him in the second episode, he's like, I'm invincible. Ooh, I was trying to show you now loud that that sounds just rather daft or something. And she was, yeah, a tad optimistic, perhaps. <laughs> and like the thing again with the show is that they don't have a proper title sequence, it's just. Every so often, somebody goes to say the word "invincible." Goes, I'm like Mark goes, I'm, and then comes up invincible. Yeah. <laughs> and what you notice if you watch it back throughout every episode, there's a little bit more blood splattered across the title card. Yeah, the yeah, episode, there is, isn't there? Yeah. Which I think they carry that through to, to season two. From what I remember, I've only watched the first two episodes. I'm gonna go back and watch them, uh, like the first four episodes all together uh, of the second season, but. Tell you that because there is a point where Mark makes his own costume because he can't wait to get there and start fighting Craven. He is somewhat successful, even though it's not a really perfect job. And his dad's just floating above him looking at his costume, like, You look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like a bandana around his, his face. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not, not, so, not so great. But, uh, you know. 
there's uh it's uh you know he's trying bless him and yeah, i think i think when he gets his costume and he does the first thing he says i invincible and it comes up that's when you think the episode the that episode's over and that's when you lead into that like i said the thing that hooks you in at the end of the first episode which he's like oh well the title cards come up the episode must be over like like when NXT used to do the the watermark, like oh the show's mm. over, swerve, no it's not. Yeah, and it's such a brutal scene as well. I mean, mm. the, the guys have been called to headquarters, and they think they've called each other, but it's obviously on on the man who's called them all, and then he just starts unleashing hell fury on them, and he basically kills them all. But mm. you know, because it's because it was him against all of them. Um, they did batter him enough that it's laid they laid him out as well mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, and, it, yeah. And, and it helps it helps his story that they were all attacked because if he's got mm. enough visible damage on him then he can try and get away with it even though we can tell there are certain people who are immediately suspicious kind of of him afterwards but yeah just the nature of it because like Red Rush is the first person I know so he like pushes one of the other people out of the way because you can then slowly and like from his perspective in slow motion, you see Onman just appearing out of the darkness to try and like lunge and attack at them. And then yeah, like we like he doesn't just kill him. Like, I think one of them he just picks up by a leg and slams him yeah. overhead and his head, whole face just explodes out like like blood everywhere. And like, I think it was I don't know if it's even here or somewhere else, but there's been points where you can see him cut a person's head off just by sweeping his hand across them. <laughs> Yeah, I just sort of Decapitates um, immortal with his bare hands, basically. Yeah, and yeah. um, like I think it's just that war when it's left, but he so one by one, like even though the odds are against them, like and they try and team up on him, like it's just seems like nothing is stopping him. And the other new do like because I think the first couple of episodes dropped together when it launched back in twenty twenty one. I think it was. Uh, you know, you're not left one or long, but you want to watch the next episode. You're like, okay, so you've seen the what? Like, now you need to know why. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty messed up. And uh, yeah, they, they sort of, uh, I think they find that they Cecil and Islock find them. We find out Cecil's high ranking government operative that seems to run the, the superhero side of things. And he's got a teleporter that sort of comes. Quite in handy, and we also get introduced in the second episode to uh, Damien Dark, like a demon, voiced yeah, Damien, by Damien Dark Blood. Yeah. Dark Blood, that's it. He's voiced by uh, Clancy Brown. Who else? Yeah, who else? He has to like, always pop up with something, and uh, again, somebody whose voice you'll instantly recognize. He, he's very much a Hellboy inspired, like, mm. basically a demon to. Te- I love the, the casual nature when he pops up for the first day because you can always tell he's there because somebody will breathe and you can see their breath and he's like, it's getting cold, demon dark blood's here. And so he shows up in like this 1930s noir detective outfit despite being a big, bloody big red demon. But the casual nature in which he's introduced by Cecil on the thing, it was like, this is David Darkblood, demon detective. <laughs> who I didn't realise was in as, as, as much as he actually was before they inevitably, it, no one tries to turn the blame back on him, but I just remember looking at him when I first saw him and like, we need a spin-off about this guy. Come on, I want to see what this guy gets up to. 
Yeah, he's sort of suspicious um, of um, Omni-Man from, from the start, isn't he, to be honest? He's onto him straight away. I think Cecil, in a lot of ways, is, is suspicious of him. Yeah. Just, just because he's the only survivor of it. And uh, but he doesn't. He can't really. He said he can't prove it, but he does have the family like survey, like surveys, and like he has people watching him in the house across the street. So he he can't really prove it yet. And he's also like watching Mark and what Mark's give look because he thinks if Mark's like he's dead, then maybe if Omniman goes off the rails, either you don't know if either his son will be like him and join him, or will his son be the only person we can trust to like stop him. Yeah, it's um, you know, so I'm probably from Caesar's point of view, probably more than hope that it's not Omni Man because if he's against us, then we're pretty much fucked. Yeah, is yeah, this guy grizzled like government agent. Uh, so Caesar, uh, he really just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like he's very blunt. Like when Mark's trying to get, get with this girl Amber, who, who's he's main Chris throughout the series, and he like. He invites her over and then Cecil just appears in his room and just like, yeah, well, I don't care. We need you now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that, that, that's another fun, another fun thing, like Mark trying to balance his personal life with this new superhero gig because he's trying to date Amber and keep her happy whilst um, going off and being a hero. And mm-hmm. She doesn't know about it. Well, he thinks she doesn't know about it, but... Uh, it turns out she she had the suspicions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, like after that uh, episode where he's battered by uh, Battle Beast, uh, Eve covers from him and says, "Yeah, I told her you got hit by a bus. That's why you you've been in hospital." Like, and from looks of you, it's not far off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we get to see uh, Team Patrol in the second episode as well, where this like alien race. Mm-hmm. Um, uses portals to try and invade Earth, and Invincible's the, the first one there, but he's 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 struggling, and then Team 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 uh, show up, where the you know, robot explode, duplicate. Um, was Shrinking Ray part of them at that point? Uh, I think that she's part I, of it. I know Atom Eve. I know Atom Yeah, Eve is so, part anyway. of it. Get shrink get ray or whatever it's he's like in it when they're part of the new guardians like it's like rex duplicate and e get recruited for the new guys from mm. team because robots basically robot tries to say there's no bias here but he there clearly was here because he, he was in charge of team team and then he was asked to basically head up the guardians because nolan basically is for years refused to be part of the group uh and so that all of a sudden three conveniently three of his former teammates are in the group like i call bullshit on this <laughs> but uh, but the aliens uh, more fought themselves because they start aging really fast, so they have to they have to fuck off. And mm-hmm. uh, robot realizes that um, their their world time moves differently there. So a few minutes in this world, they're they're aging. So they they go back but they come back several times in in the episode with new technology to stop them from aging and to help them conquer but they get they get thwarted um each and each and every time the third time with omni man's help but gave i think to be honest i don't know about the others but i'd definitely keep atom eve in the uh in the group if i could because i mean if she can control atom she's she's 
possible. She's got the possibility of being the most powerful of the superheroes. To be honest, you're, you're talking Doctor Manhattan levels of powers. Mm-hmm. If she ever can fully taps into what what she's capable of. Yeah, because you get the head here that she can basically create something from nothing. You just create mm. stuff that matter of thin air. And she realizes that she maybe doesn't want to be a superhero because she realizes she can use those abilities to do like much better things, like you know, more humanitarian things. And she's wants to like, off like with her parents, especially her dad, who doesn't even like her be a superhero, let alone the stuff that she suggested doing when she wants to leave and go help people with these powers. Like he just. I think he refers to it as hippy dippy, go find finding yourself bullshit. I think yeah, he describes it. <laughs> I think he's a bit I think he's worried about it, but he just has a you know, a very strange way of sort of showing it. He's one of those who's not very good at conveying his emotions. I don't think he's necessarily a bad mm-hmm. a bad person. Even though he's sort of you know, you, you could sort of portray you know, uh, sort of portray him as that. But um, she sort of leaves the team anyway because she comes back from a funeral and finds her explode in the shower with, I think, three versions of <laughs> duplicate. <laughs> yeah. Like, and she's just pissed. I love that she said, explains it to Mark. Would you have I come in the shower with Kate, all three of her. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, but you're with, but you're with Invincible now just because, like, they go to school together. And he goes, no, no, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems to be one of the only ones to be also being a team. He just doesn't go to school. He just hangs around their headquarters all day, uh, and just he does nothing. So basically, he just sits around cheating on Eve. I think it's amazing, like like the little bits of thing that covers up superheroes, but people who see them every day like, can't recognize them. But he doesn't wear anything to cover her face. So Mark, after seeing her that, and even then seeing her out of school, something else like. Oh, of course, that's her. And then, as he tries, like I said, does that bit where he just quickly tries to tell her that he, who he is, and he does a bit like that's oh, stupid way I say it out loud. I, I, I love the bit where he's talking to his his friend. And he goes, "He Wilkins, I need to talk to her." And he goes, "Yeah, so does every straight guy in a ten mile radius." Good luck with that. And then, weirdly enough, like him talking, being spoiled on to her after he stood up for Amber uh, earlier on in the first episode. That kind of makes Amber bit jealous, and that makes her be a bit interested in him in the first place. Because she even goes up to his mate William, goes, "Is Mark dating Eve?" Like, yeah, he wishes. Oh no, but he's very much available. He tries to immediately try and be a bit of a white man. To Mark. Yeah, <laughs> realizing his realizing his mistake. But yeah, <laughs> after things go awry with Rex, Blows, he does go to his bedroom. Well, flies to his bedroom, which sees him with Amber. So she <laughs> just. He has to go somewhere else. So now you know, you become a superhero, and all of a sudden, you're a girl magnet. Yeah, I do like that they did tease something between Mark and, and uh, Kate. I think the idea is that like, maybe only people who are powers can understand what the other's going through. But mm. I, like, I like that they avoided the temptation to do any sort of love triangle between him, Eve, and Amber. They just quickly like stuck it with Amber and Ian, like, even, even Amber, because they go to school together. Like They're friends, and she... Eve does basically whatever she can to try and convince Amber, even when Mark screws up, to give him another chance. I also love the bit uh, at the end of the the last episode where he says, oh, I might as well tell you that I'm out of Eve. <laughs> and neither uh, Amber or, or his mate have any idea. He goes, oh, oh yeah, you're the one that can make copies of yourself. Oh, that's duplicate. I'm the pink one. And they're like... 
oh right, like trying to trying to humor trying to humor her, but they've no idea which one she is. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. There's just one step away from going, oh, which one's that again? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Uh, so I'll say there's the stuff with uh, Mark trying to be a hero on his own. I was like, there's a bit where he's sent off and his dad's said to go fight an oncoming alien. And then it just turns out to be an alien called Alan, voiced by Seth Rogen, who he's only there because he mixed up the planet with, a, with Earth with Urdas. Yeah, and he was all, oh, this is really embarrassing. And <laughs> like, oh, shit. And then he comes back later on. I'll probably get to that, but he's like, oh, when I told them I mixed up Earth and Ura, they were pissed because he implies he's been, it's like the third time he's been here, so. Uh, he comes every every couple of years, so it's not as if he just recently made this meal. This is a mistake that's gone on for a while, and he's only just now noticed. Yeah, and so, uh, we also see uh, the um, and uh, another uh, interesting line from Omni Man when he goes back through the portal with the uh, the aliens, and um, he goes, "You you don't seem to understand. Earth isn't yours to conquer." It's a it's a funny way of framing it. If you're supposed to be the hero, isn't it? Isn't yours to conquer? What what? What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, basically, well, we do see a few at the end, but basically it looks like he commits genocide and destroys the whole planet, doesn't it? Um, yeah. and, that, and that little thing. And he's probably there for quite a few years doing that by the looks. He's got a bit of beard growth, but in mm-hmm. human terms, it's only like an hour or so. Yeah, because like, they keep like, only coming back within a matter of days in human time, but they've advanced their technology with software so they can mm. last a bit longer every time every time they come back and they're much, they can last a bit longer their technology is more advanced uh, and all the man really helps team team and invincible like uh, stop them and yeah he's there for so long he comes back he's got a big like beard the main mm. thing that's aged them because as he mentions like filtrates like said you he says something to mar like you'll live for hundreds thousands of years before you even looks there to because Mark's only meant to be like seventeen in the events mm. of this series. It's like the older you get, the 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 more your age slows. So, which that happens to me. I mean, I'm forty three <laughs> now. So, can, can I please slow down? <laughs> I think it's a bit slowing down as you get older. To again, if you go to another planet where aging is different, it avoids suspicion. So you can kind of like, mm. oh, you're you're old, but you get you kind of look like a different age, so you can kind of get away with it. I mean, he's another one that doesn't wear a mask, but nobody seems to know, you know, that he's got two identities, which I don't understand. Uh, I mean, Eve, Eve explains it as a psychology thing. If you're not looking for a superhero, you're not going to see one. But but still, I'm not I'm not super convinced. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really good with it. Also, I love the fact that they're very vague about what Nolan does for a next film. Because I think they've briefly just a couple of three lines about him doing a book, and then yeah, at the end of the first an season, author, isn't he? I think. Yeah, they say, oh, he writes travel books, which explains why he maybe when they say, oh, he's flown off across the country because he's constantly like flying to other countries just to pick up food because he can do that within a matter of like minutes. So maybe that's the way he explain why he's a, he's always traveling. So he writes travel books, and then later on, then he declared Nolan dead after on the man disappears. So basically, oh yeah, there'll probably be a spike in his book sales and now he's presumed dead, so you're marked to be fine for money. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, he, 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 
He says he sort of feels guilty, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm a bit on the fence with Cecil. I think he means well, but I think he's a bit colder than he he, mm. he lets. Um, I mean, yeah, because like on the one, like stops a kaiju creature earlier on in the series, which they then use against them later on. And when they when he marks uh, Amber and William going meet this guy that William knows at this college, and there's this guy experimenting on people. They basically keep that guy around and use his experiments again against Omni Man. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fucked up on his part. And that storyline in season episode seven about people being kidnapped at a college campus and turned into weird creatures. It's really best you don't think about the fact that the guy kidnapping him, D.A. Sinclair, is voiced by Ezra Miller, who, among his many charges, <laughs> is a kidnapping charge. <laughs> God, life I mean, imitating art. <laughs> you talk about something fucking aging like milk. <laughs> didn't even, I didn't even clock he was uh, voiced by Ezra Miller, actually. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> I want you to notice that you can't bloody unnotice it and Hell, I, I, even, I think some of it, he was already getting to bother by the time Invincible came out, let alone fucking afterwards. Like, so it was something that didn't look great when it, like, it didn't have far to fall aging wise, but it still managed to fall pretty far. Well, so as the sort of season progresses, we we start to see this this sort of almost like a B plot, I suppose, with Robot. You sort of see the Mother twins um, get released. Uh, someone pressing all these buttons to help them escape from prison, and then it's revealed that 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 it's Robot. And you can you kind of assume he wants them for their the cloning techniques, but you don't know why, and you you're wondering if it's something malevolent. And um, when he sort of takes. Um, Rex blows blood. I, I wondered if perhaps he wanted to make a, a, a less annoying cloud of <laughs> Rex blood. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he probably reveals it's because he's in, yeah, developed feelings for a woman called Monster mm. Girl, who her whole thing is she really turns into a literal monster, but a curse of it is she gets younger as she, every time she changes, she gets like, she does a training exercise and she says, that's another week off of my life. So she even said, like, I used to be called Monster Woman, but it got harder to explain the longer I used my powers. So now she looks like a teenager. So he develops a teenage body. So, again, so it doesn't look weird, even though even when you try to explain it, it still sounds a little bit weird. I think he's, like, he's, uh, I think he's 30 and he says, I'm a 30-year-old genius. And he's, uh, yeah, in this little weird, deformed, crippled body that can't even breathe air, apparently. It has to be in, like, a water um, thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he uses the Mauler twins to grow my body and then transfer his conscience into the, the other body. And that's when they sort of explain that and it has to be seamless or one of us knows where the clone and that ever, never ends well. But I guess that won't be a problem in your case because they're completely, completely different bodies. And uh, the other one sort of kind of survived, but he wanted to be, he wanted to be, Killed. This is what he wanted mm. to to live on in that um, new body. Yeah, because I think he, he said because he, he said he had to be because with the being out of this tank, basically means he really heart is causing him increasing pain, and so he managed to transfer into his younger his young body where he goes by his real name, which is apparently Rudy. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't even explain what kind of defect or disease he seemed to have had. Because it may look like that. But also, well, like the little detail here is they change voice actors as soon as he goes to, he stops being Robo and starts being Rudy. 
where you basically were like, oh, this is my voice, sounds like through the robot, but there, here's me talking in my real voice. Uh, Ross McQuarrie, I think is the name of the actor, voiced him as Rudy. He's done a bunch of voice work as well. And on a quick Google of him, I realised like he was the guy playing Red Skull in Infinity War and uh, Endgame rather than Hugo Weaving, who ah, right. famously hated playing the part for some reason. And I think he also voiced like Ultron in that What If special. Like of what if like Ultron won and like got Vision's body? Like that was him. Ah, well, he's got quite a few credits to his name, and yeah, it's a nice, a nice little touch um, that he do that, like you mm. say. But yeah, it's all it all it all make it all makes sense as uh, the season progresses, which which is cool. And as we say, as the season sort of and also the only man series we we get to a point where you know it was as debbie sort of grows suspicious uh, i think she finds where he stashed his suit and takes the sample i think no, she takes the whole thing doesn't she she replaces it with yeah. something else to to get it analyzed to see what blood's on there and and see if they can work out uh if it was him that killed the the guardians of the globe yeah, because like, there's a bit later over he and her and Cecil both say a similar version of like they knew it was they could tell it was him. They just hoped it was for a good reason, and then we learn that no, no, it's very selfish reasons that he did it. Like even the Guardians and Mark for a brief minute think at some point his dad's being controlled because in their mind he couldn't be capable of this, but clearly nobody knew him at all as we as we learned through this. So like even. Art when he scans, he says like the oldest bit of blood is here on Nolan's arm, so that shows that he struck first. So any last bit of hope that they had that he was somewhat innocent and in what he did is immediately done by that point. And for the last two episodes, all of the it's pretty much gone for the most part. Like everyone except except Mark really knows about it, and then Mark Mark twigs at the end of the last episode, and then it picked up immediately in episode eight, where they're both flying above air and basically like Mark, we need to talk. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of explains that um, the Vultimates are an endangered species, basically, and they're looking for planets to to sort of conquer. And his job is to sort of go and get the the planets, weaken the planet, and get it ready for for conquest. Yeah, because like basically, the case of decided the best way to help our our survive our survive is to basically eliminate the weak, which basically. I mean, only the strongest ones were left, but that would mean their population was basically halved. So they went to other planets to grow their empire, as you said, and basically anyone who resisted basically either eventually surrendered or their planet was pretty much destroyed because, like, if they couldn't have it, nobody could. Uh, so, yeah, it takes a much more sinister turn. Like, the whole thing about letting the, the strong survive in their bloody the population half, I'm thinking, when he first explained that, I'm like, it's very Thanos-esque, that explanation. Mm. But, <laughs> and then... So he's pretty much being like weakening by destroying supervillains and everything. He's weakening the planet, getting and then by killing off like the strongest heroes, basically he's left Earth vulnerable. Basically, so they rely on him and Mark as their only saviors. Which he's hoping the Mark will then join him and help him get prepared for the Vulturemates to eventually invade Earth. And I do like that. Well, the explanation is right at the start of the finale. So the finale's title is "Where I Really Come From." Yeah, and Cecil's sort of trying to throw everything at Omni-Man to, to slow him down because so, they want to try and get to Mark and explain to him first before Omni-Man himself does and he throws those sort of 
battle droid things at him. And then that, as you said before, that squid creature, which he's um, juiced up on everything he, he can give it to make it stronger. And also, uh, while that's happening, uh, the Morda twins um, got some schematics. This is their pay from um, robot to 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 clone him and and whatnot schematics of some sort of color that can allow them to control any individual and uh, their plan is to um, resurrect immortal and uh, put the color on him and control him to to uh, do they want to kill Omni Man with him or kill no I think they want to kill Teen Team with him ironically yeah. enough. But um, yeah, because Robot was basically immediately going to try and turn them into mm. the and everything, and they were angry, so they wanted they gave him a, gave him a collar that they hoped it would put a more under control. But he pretty much, as you said, he pretty much uh, like it, it didn't work, and he immediately goes after Omni Man, and so everyone's throwing stuff at him. Like there's a point where like he even turns to Mark, his Omni Man, he sees his jet to send after, and goes, "Look what they need." to mimic even a fraction of our power. And Cecil says about the about the kaiju and thing, like we just stopped with all this stuff and all of that did was make it angry and I think it blames you for that. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it kind of does almost beam at one point, but before Mark saves them, not knowing that they were trying to take him out. And there's a line that Cecil said that is also reminds me of something Thanos said, where Nolan kind of wipes a bit of blood away from after he takes out these machines and he goes, Millions of dollars for the world's most expensive nosebleeds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of Thanos when everyone tries to team up for him on Titan and he gets a bit of a cut. He goes, all of that just for a drop of blood. Mm. And he goes up and destroys his satellite super weapons, doesn't he? And yeah, it, it's quite good because Immortal really is Immortal if you can reattach his, you know, bring his body parts back together. It'll, he'll sort of heal himself. And uh, go back to go back to normal. Sort of see a little flashback of him um, from way back in the day. So perhaps he came from a a different dimension or something. I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, he, he gives it. You know, he gives it as good as he's got against um, Omni Man. But Omni Man just um, rips rips him up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically says, "You should have stayed dead." And kind of rips him. <laughs> yeah, and, and Mark kind of sees all this and he's kind of left like gobsmacked as to what's as to what the hell is going on and yeah like because he has these flashbacks to you like because the molotons are pounded on his chest like that's not going to work yeah but it's fun for me <laughs> and then with every pound he gets uh, a little bit of a flashback and then uh was got rid of part of this initial confrontation between the two of them or always one of them and uh, mark and it's Mark's basically resisting everything his dad's trying to tell him, and he's like, "Do you not love mom?" And everything he goes, "Well, I do, but she's more like a pet to me." <laughs> yeah, he tries to explain, like, you know, you're going to outlive all these, all these people you care about because you, you'll live for thousands of years." And his dad, he, like, he tries to save that fighter pilot. His dad tried to kill, him, and then his dad just does goes, "What effort was all that?" And then just crushes the guy's head right in front of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now where's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> and so the other big long extended phase. His dad, like Mark, barely gets any punches, and his dad just 
I was just showing Wiesel what happens when he resists and tries to beat, basically literally beat sense into his own son, which subsequently, I mean, it's very Man of Steel-esque in that it causes a lot of collateral damage and a lot of deaths. Mm. Like when Mark tries to see that woman who's going to fall out of her building as, uh, as it's collapsing, he appears just from the rumble and realises he's holding her bloody dismembered arm. That's the very way he sort of holds him up uh, against a train and just lets a train plough plough through him. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it seems like he's you know, like he, he seems intent on killing Mark. He's like, "What? Seventeen more years? I can always make another." And just beats his son into the side of this mountain and knocks all his teeth out until he has a bit of a flashback as well and kind of stops him for doing it. And he just starts yelling like, "Why? Why are you?" He's blamed Mark for it. Why did you make me do this? <laughs> yeah, and he can't go all the way and, and finish him off, so he, he he takes off and and leaves the planet. Because like the, I think Mark can kind of almost you know yeah, gets through it and a little bit. Goes, what will you have after all these years? Like, what's the point? What would you have left? He goes, I'd still have you. Oh yeah, he gets taken to that secret facility to. To heal again under Cecil's watch, and uh, I mean, but if, if nothing else, though, I mean, at least he gets Amber back from it all, so it's not a complete, not a complete loss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's quite, a, that's quite a funny bit when he sort of like um, when those robots start attacking, and he does the old superhero trick of sort of disappearing and reappearing yeah. in the suit to save the day, and she's pissed off because. Um, he he ran off, but it's not it's not because he ran off. It's because he he won't tell her the truth, and he's there in a room. We'll see. I'm I'm a superhero, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I worked that out. That's, it's cute that you think that's going to save this save things. <laughs> yeah, but then she watched on the tally like everyone else. They were filming uh, Omni Man beating him up, and she saw the the pound and he took. So she um. She was, you know, was felt sorry for him. Was worried for him. So when he was back, she was, she was happy that he was all right. Uh, uh, got beaten there to death, but at least he got his girlfriend back. So you know, wins and passes. <laughs> every every cloud has a silver lining. A very bloody cloud has a silver lining. At least, yeah. He thinks that he's a reveal. That oh, the, I was, I had a good reason for lying. Like yeah, still you didn't trust me, so I can, you know, you're done. And then. Kind of feels bad after everything, then realizing like she even says, once you can kind of figure out that his dad was Omni Man, it's like, well, it looks like we both got lied to. And I do love that William doesn't realize that she knows, like, hey, Mark, I didn't realize I'm sad about you and Omni Man. And as he sees that Amber's there, like, it's okay, she knows. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a really good series. And um, I haven't started, I might get this pod done before I started on season two. I've got to go straight into the first few episodes of season two. Means it's already there, but now I want to do this pod without any knowledge of what's happening with season two. Um, I watched that after me special thing, which which is okay. It was quite interesting to see because I always wondered where where she came from and everything. Yeah, uh, I give it a watch finally in the preparation for season two. I quite like it. It's nice seeing where she kind of came from. You do get a brief cameo from Omni Man and a young like Mark Grayson. So mm. where you just kind of see his dad kind of being a little bit annoyed. Iron Man's being a bit annoyed that his son isn't developing, but kind of doesn't do anything about when he teases he might do. Uh, but then you get to see where Eve's origins from. Like basically like how she was, her birth parents really aren't her parents, but and 
basically how her powers came to be. Everyone thought she was just weird, but she was just seeing things like, and that helped her like, develop her abilities. And again, she wasn't perfect either when she started. So it, it felt, it felt very fitting with, uh, with the tone of Invisible. And I liked the fact that it gave her more time because. I think there was still a lot left on the table with her in terms of season one. We just got a little insight into what she was all about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She, she's she got the potential to be one of the more interesting characters. And I said, before, if she can control atoms, which makes up everything, then, you know, she's she's got, she's, she could have pretty limitless powers if she learns to use and channel them properly, even, though if, even if she's not as strong as uh, other superheroes. Yeah, so that is that's season one. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, finishing season two, and hopefully they don't piss about too long for season three. Yeah, yeah, we can hope. Who, who knows? <laughs> I should mention also season one. The real funny about it, it ends with this weird extended like prologue, like the stuff with Mark and his friends, and showing where other people have ended up. Like characters are still out there who might come back for stuff in season two. It's a lot of plot lines. And the last thought is them thinking, oh, the man's coming back into their atmosphere. It turns out it's just Alan the alien was like, oh, there's a filtrumate on your planet. Like, your Earth is meant to be off limits from my federation because you're, you're marked for a filtrumate comp. You're like, oh, yeah, I know, that's my dad. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and this time, maybe, and this time, Mark gets like the stones for them to sit on as he explains what happens. And Alan the alien sort of says, oh, that's very strange. That might just leave in their post like that. That that never happens. Maybe that's the chink in the armor we've been waiting for, and he's he's been like looking at putting like a team together to, to try and fend off the Viltrumites. Mm. Yeah, that's something left open for. Like, what are you going to do in the meantime? Cuts this the thing of like all these villains are still out there that Marvel will probably has to deal with. Somebody was probably going to finish high school in the meantime. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, what's high school? <laughs> They'll kind of go over. His character's called Alan the Alien. We have to say a bit in one of the episodes, which is never, which is never um, elaborated on anymore. Where these two archaeologists sort of unearth this um, sort of Egyptian god from back in the day, and then they get sealed back in the tomb, and then you never see or hear from from that thing again. So I don't know I if that's ever going to become a, a factor again or something. I think it was maybe like also the typical start to some sort of villain origin, but I think it's revealed that the wind coming over that flocks over is because Mark and Omni Man are flying over. Because Omni Man goes, Careful, you're picking up too much dust. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what it was meant to be, like the, plot, ah, to the point of that. Where I think, yeah, they, they, yeah. I think they've done that a couple of times in this show where they, they start, they show you, give you one thing, like, Oh, it's your typical superhero or like, loves you anything. This is one thing, and then whoop, it's another thing. Yeah, and it looks like that weird one with the um, the earthquake gloves survived as well, because you see him like yeah. raising an army of weird creatures in the earth's car. <laughs> yeah, because it's like one of his big missions under Cecil for Mark is him and Eve trying to stop him. I think he's called Doc Seismic, uh, trying to blow up basically uh, Mount Rushmore. He's like, those earthquake gloves, but he's wearing these bands, and I'm like, no, oh, there's more like bracelets, dude. You're wearing earthquake bracelets. <laughs> yeah. What would what would you give Invincible if you had to like maybe rate the whole the series overall at a ten? What would you give Invincible? 
Ooh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'd have to give it uh, at least an eight and a half, possibly a nine, to be honest. I wouldn't say it's perfect. I wouldn't say it's 10 out of 10 material. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a different kind of take on the, the superheroes genre. Mm. So, And I really appreciated that. And like I said, the fact that the main protagonist is like, it's pretty much his journey through the whole thing. He's still not perfect by the end of it because. Like even you know he may be good at some one of some threats may realise how big of a threat his own father is. He's clearly outmatched there, so it leads you into season two. Something I'd give it a nine out of ten overall as well. There we go. That's uh, Invincible season one, and we'll probably do the first four episodes of season two as well um, before maybe before Christmas, um, definitely before the second half uh, as anyway so that'd be a nice way of doing that to split it up into two segments yeah because I think I think it's coming Friday at time recording is when episode four airs uh, so we got time in the next, at some point in the next couple of weeks we'll probably have that episode out uh, and, and there we are mm-hmm. um, Scott any, any plugs or anything yeah, uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Scott McLean1996, follow Rogue Pains at Rogue underscore Pains. Uh, Scott and Paul's Round Podcast at SP Rambling. Uh, me, and, me and Paul have got some uh, Fraser really content coming out soon. Uh, you can catch me and Paul also on the Rogue Retro Smackdown review here on Rogue Pains. We've got another episode coming out about that as we barrel towards trying to get as much of the Road to No Mercy 2000 done by the end of 2023. Uh, we have uh, both uh, Rogue Pains feed and Scott Paul's feed can be found on the uh, All Good Android podcast, it's wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, also, Eat Sleep Super Extra Retreat at Super Extra Retreat. I'm going to be doing some stuff with them over the next couple of weeks. I'm filling in this week on their main show, Central. Uh, I'm hosting one of their feature shows that comes out in December, which is going to be all about Rhea Ripley. And I'll just be popping up here and there in the next month or so. So just stay tuned. You'll, you might hear my voice there at some point. You'll be hearing Scott in your dreams. You'll be listening in to him that much. Um, I've just got this pod at the moment, so I've got no other plugs to make. But just uh, like trying to be a superhero when you've just got your powers, podding ain't easy. Don't we know it? Bye bye. Bye. Shot like a rocket up into the sky. Nothing can stop me tonight.